before we uh, jump into the message this morning, we do want to take a little bit of time to pray together as a congregation. As Keith mentioned earlier, and as many of you know, um, we lost a beautiful brother this past Monday. Um, Harvey Jr. Uh, passed away. Um, and we just want to pray for Delvin and Cindy, Joyce and Wayne. Um, and we just want to come around you guys. We want to pray for you. We want to lift you up. We know that Harvey touched a lot of lives and that uh, he was friends to a lot of you as well. Um, and so let, let's just go to the Lord uh, and just pray for family and friends um, and ask that the Lord would, would come and be with us in a powerful way. Father, we thank you for the blessing that Harvey was. We thank you for the joy and the love that you put in him and that was so evident. And Lord, I, I want to pray right now for Delvin and Cindy, kids, Joyce and Wayne, extended family and friends. Lord, as they enter into this unexpected season of mourning. I pray that you would be close to them and that, that you would know that you are close to them, that they would see your love and feel your peace and that you would walk with them through this season and that they would believe your promises that you are Lord of all even in the storm. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we're going to be continuing on uh, in our series in the book of Romans. We're going to be looking this morning at chapter 3, verses 27 through 31. And what I want to do is actually back up to verse 21, uh, which is what Dwayne preached on last week through 26. And really, these two passages are intimately linked together. Uh, and so I'm not going to re-preach his sermon um, but I am going to read through his text and then into mine so that we can see a little bit of how they connect together. So go ahead and open up with me to Romans chapter 3. We'll begin reading in verse 21. Let's remember that this marks an important transition in Paul's first section of justification uh, where he has already laid out the unrighteousness of humanity and now in verse 21, we're seeing how God is going about solving that problem. Verse 21. But now, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. 
By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not also the God of Gentiles? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. Father, we pray and ask that you would come and give us wisdom, insight into your word, and how it ought to change the way that we live our lives. Give us the grace this morning to see and believe those things. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Doctrine determines devotion. Our theology, that is what we believe about God and ourselves, determines our practice, the way in which we live our lives. And the way that Paul structures these 11 verses, that is from 21 through 31, perfectly embodies this reality, that our doctrine determines our devotion. As a theologian, Paul is concerned about what we believe, which is why he introduces us to the doctrine of justification by faith alone in verses 21 through 26, which is what Duane preached on last week. He's concerned for what we believe. He's a good theologian, right? But he's not just a good theologian, he's also a good pastor, And he's not only concerned for what we believe, but also that we live consistently with what is true. He's concerned not only for our doctrine, but for our devotion, for our practice. And as we look at verses 27 through 31 this morning, we see Paul break from his theological discourse in order to draw out three practical implications from his doctrine of justification by faith alone for our Christian lives. So we see the structure here and the flow of what Paul is getting at. We'll see that because we are justified by faith alone, three essential implications for the way that we live our lives follow from that truth. That's what Paul is aiming to show us here this morning. And so let's consider then the first practical implication of this doctrine of justification by faith alone. And Paul shows us here that this first implication is that no man can boast in their right standing before God. We see this in verses 27 through 28. So let's read these two verses. Because of of the fact that we're justified by faith alone... What then becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. So Paul draws out this first implication of his doctrine by asking a question presumably aimed at his Jewish Christian audience, the Jewish Christians in the church at Rome. He says, what then becomes of our boasting? 
And the reason why we feel like this is probably addressed to his Jewish Christian audience is because of what he's already said. He's already shown us in chapter 2 that the Jews primarily were boasting in such a way that excluded the Gentiles, right? That they had this prideful attitude towards them, boasting about their religious privilege. Now Paul answers his own question. He says that all boasting is excluded. And he asserts this truth that all boasting is excluded based upon the nature of our justification. Based upon the nature of how we are made right with God. Our justification is not based on a law of works. It's not based on what we do. But it's based on the law of faith. Trusting in the one who has done what we couldn't do. So if our being made right before God was accomplished or even initiated by us, we could boast about our salvation. We could say that we had a hand in accomplishing it. But that's not what the doctrine of justification by faith alone says. It says that all of the work was done by Jesus. And we simply trust in Him. So since we are justified by faith and not by works... There's no room for boasting in us. So the first thing we got to ask here is why does Paul draw this implication from his doctrine? Why does Paul draw this implication that boasting before God is excluded from his doctrine of justification? I think that Paul here at this point is aiming to uproot pride in our lives and to enable us to grow spiritually. So this boasting that Paul says the gospel excludes is not just a problem for the Jewish Christian. It's also a problem for us, for all Christians, because our fallen nature operates from a prideful disposition. We love to take the glory and praise for things that is not rightly due to us. It's just part of our nature. But this doctrine of justification by faith alone, when we truly believe it, what happens in our hearts is that it begins to uproot that pride and that desire for self-glory and to remove it from us. How does it do this? It continually tells us that we have done nothing to earn our salvation. It proclaims to us over and over and over again that salvation is holy of the Lord. And so as we believe more this doctrine of justification by faith alone, that pride and that desire for self-glory will be uprooted from our hearts, which will change the way that we live our lives. You see, this doctrine, it doesn't just uproot pride from us, but it also at the same time simultaneously enables us to grow spiritually. Pastor Tim Keller tells a story of a woman he met who was just coming to grips with what the doctrine of justification by faith alone meant for her life. And he recalls her saying this, If you are saved by works, then there is a limit to what God can ask of you. But if I'm really saved by grace, because of what Jesus has done, There is no limit to what God can ask of me. If you realize you have been saved by grace, that means I owe Him 
everything. This woman was very perceptive. She was connecting her doctrine to her devotion. That if we truly believe that we are justified by faith alone, I can't hold anything back from God. Well, brothers and sisters, the reason why we do not give ourselves fully to God is for that same reason that we do not fully believe that we have been justified by faith alone. The reason why you don't seek God's will for your finances is because you believe that's an area of your life God has no say in. The reason you don't seek God's will for your personal purity and holiness is because you believe that is an area of your life God has no say in. Same for our parenting. The reason we don't seek God's will for how we should raise our children is because we believe that's an area God has no say in. Brothers and sisters, if areas like this exist in our lives, and they do, it's because we think that we have contributed something to our salvation and for that reason can hold something back of ourselves from God. See, we're doing reverse analysis here. Your life tells you what you believe. So what then do we believe in this regard? What is our life saying we believe about the doctrine of justification by faith alone? Are we holding things back from God? Areas of our lives? If so, the answer to this is that we don't need to fix our lives over here. We need to fix our doctrine. We need to believe more what the Bible says in this regard. And as we do, it will uproot that pride and self-glory in our lives which will free us to give more of ourselves to God and withhold less from Him. Doctrine determines devotion. So Paul shows us here first that his doctrine of justification implies that boasting before God is excluded which should change the way that we live our lives and that we stop holding things back from Him. Secondly, Paul says that because we are justified by faith, boasting before men is excluded. We see this in verses 29 and 30. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is He not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. So Paul's point here is to show that the way to be justified for all people is the same. By faith alone. And because of this reality, our boasting before other Christians is excluded. Can't do it. Now this was essential for Paul to show because the Jews primarily struggled to give up their sense of superiority over the Gentiles. Even in the Christian community, this was a struggle for them. Because all of their lives they had marginalized the Gentiles and sought to view themselves as superior to them. And so this was very important for Paul to address 
And the mindset here of superiority among the Jews is seen by Paul's question in verse 29. Is God the God of Jews only? Is He not the God of Gentiles also? You see, the Jews boasted that God was their God in such a way that it excluded the Gentiles. Now these claims to superiority over the Gentiles implied that God was the God of the Jews only and not of the Gentiles. It implied that the Gentiles could not receive salvation. Paul shows that for the Jews to boast before the Gentiles was in effect to monopolize God for themselves and to exclude the Gentiles from salvation. But Paul emphatically denies that any people group can lay exclusive claim on the one true God. And he emphatically denies that the Gentiles are excluded from salvation when he provides the answer to his own question. Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. So what is Paul saying here? He's saying that because of the doctrine of justification by faith alone, because all people, no matter of the social class or the ethnic group you're a part of, are all justified the same way, because of that reality, boasting before men is excluded. No Christian can seek to make themselves superior to another Christian. You see, Paul is undermining any grounds for a Christian to boast before another Christian and to make themselves better than any other. It's what his doctrine is doing here. So again, let's ask the question, why does Paul draw this implication that boasting before men is excluded from his doctrine of justification? I think that Paul here is aiming to create relational unity in the church. You can't have relational unity if we all think that we're better than each other, right? Paul wants there to be relational unity in the church, and he's striving to accomplish this by destroying any attitude of superiority among the people in his churches. You see, not only do we have a tendency to boast before God, but we are more prone to boast before men seeking to establish our superiority over other people. And that even happens in the church, inside these walls. We use all kinds of things to make ourselves superior to other people or to think that we're superior to other people. Some of the things include Thinking about it this way, the greater wealth that we obtain, the greater success we achieve, the greater reputation we build, the greater will be the temptation to view ourselves as superior to other people and to live from a sense of that superiority. We utilize all of these superficial differences in order to create a sense of superiority over other people. That person is really awkward. I'm not going to talk to them. It's really hard to talk to them. They're really socially awkward. Or I'm not going to talk to that person. I'm not going to relate to that person because, you know, they're just, they're just in a, a different social class than I am. 
or they don't have as nice a stuff as I do, or they don't look as nice as I do. And we not only do this with physical things, but we do this with spiritual realities as well. The greater holiness sought, the greater obedience obtained, the greater heights of spirituality climbed, the greater will be the temptation to view ourselves as superior to other people. Now hear me, I'm not saying that we don't strive for holiness, that we don't strive for obedience, that we don't strive to have deeper fellowship with God, but what we have to understand is with that will come the temptation to use that as a dividing point between us and other people. Superficial differences. And as I've already said, often what we do is we let these superficial differences deter us from engaging in relationship with other people, including other Christians in the church. So what is Paul showing us in relation to this, tying it back to his doctrine? Paul is showing us that by viewing ourselves as superior to other Christians and acting on that superiority, we are in practice denying his doctrine of justification by faith alone. By choosing to view your relationships from the position of your superficial differences rather than from your common faith in Christ, you undermine the doctrine that you say you believe. You're not living consistently with the doctrine of justification by faith alone. That all people are justified the same way. And for that reason, no one Christian can be superior over to another. If this be true, brothers and sisters, let our lives be the, true, or be the test of our doctrine. Are you tempted to this? Do you do this? Do you feel a sense of superiority over other people? Do you allow that to determine who you'll relate to and who you won't? The answer is not to fix your practice. The answer is to fix your doctrine. Because doctrine determines devotion. So the first implication that we've seen from Paul's doctrine of justification by faith alone, and these are crucial areas for our Christian life. If we want to grow in faith, we can't hold things back from God. If we want to grow in our lives as Christians and as disciples, we can't be holding things back from God. We can't be harboring this pride within us, boasting before God as it were. And we also can't be in relational disunity because of a sense of superiority among each other. These are two essential implications from Paul's doctrine. And the third is this. Paul shows us that his doctrine implies that the law of God has not been overthrown, but has been upheld. We see this in verse 31. Because of the doctrine of justification by faith alone, do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. So Paul's third practical implication here of his doctrine addresses what is perhaps at the heart of the Jews' concern with his doctrine. And the crux of the issue is this. 
if one is justified by faith, by trusting in Jesus, by nothing that they have done, apart from works of the law, then what becomes of the law? You're undermining it. It is no more. It's gone away. You're undoing the law by this faith. Now there's no doubt in my mind that when the Jews heard this verse, 31, read in the congregation at Rome, that they were either screaming out loud or in their minds, yes, Paul, that is what you are doing. By saying that we are justified by faith alone, you are overthrowing the law. And that cannot be. Now the reason why the Jews would think this is because they believe that God gave them the law as a way to attain their own righteousness. So for Paul to say that a person is made righteous not through the law, but through faith alone, would undermine the law, would overthrow the law in the mind of the Jew, right? What's the issue here? The issue here is that the Jews misunderstood the purpose of the law. The law was not given to humanity or to the Jews as a ladder for them to climb in order to reach God. The law was given, as Martin Luther once said, as a mirror to show us our sin and lead us to faith in the Savior. So it's with this understanding of the purpose of the law as a mirror to show us our sin and lead us to Christ that Paul says not only does faith not overthrow the law, faith upholds the law. So how does faith uphold the law? I think faith upholds the law in two ways. First, faith upholds the law by understanding the proper use of the law. To be a mirror to show us our sin and to point us to faith in the only one who has perfectly kept the law, Jesus. So the doctrine of faith, uh, uh, the doctrine of justification by faith alone tells us that we are justified by faith in what Jesus has done, not what we have done. And that the law helps us to get to that place of understanding that we need a Savior. And that it's only through faith in Him that we can be justified. So in this way, the law stands on top of faith. Faith upholds the law. Secondly, By our faith in Jesus, we are empowered through the Spirit of God working within us to actually keep the law and to please God. So not only does it acknowledge the proper use of the law and use it in the right way, it also frees us and enables us to actually abide by the law. In this way, faith upholds the law when we understand the right purpose for which God gave it. So again, for the third time, we'll ask, why does Paul draw this implication that faith upholds the law from his doctrine of justification by faith alone? 
I think that Paul draws this implication to show us how this doctrine of justification moves us from a law-based relationship with God to a grace-based relationship with God. So the Jews were held in miserable bondage to the law because they thought that their relationship with God was based on a do this and I'll be happy with you or don't do this and I'll be angry at you system. And so they were constantly under the burden of the law and under the burden of what they had done to be pleasing or displeasing to God. And they viewed their relationship with Him on those terms. Well, brothers and sisters, many of us view our relationship with God in the same way. Based on law and not on grace. You see, we base our assurance of His love and favor on our spiritual performance. Consequently, we see God as an angry judge to be obeyed for fear of what He will do if we don't. Does that sound familiar to you at all? You ever live your Christian life that way? When Paul says... That we are made right before God by faith alone and not by works. This demands a cosmic shift in our thinking about God and the way that we live our lives for Him. And this is the shift. The shift that believing justification by faith alone produces in us is that we begin to view our relationship with God no longer based on what we do but based on what Christ has done. We view our acceptance before God not based on what we do, but on what Christ has done. And this frees us to live our lives in obedience to God out of a heart of love rather than out of a heart of fear. No longer are we held under the burden of the law. No longer are we experiencing the burden of living in obedience to God in order to be accepted by Him. The Gospel says that when you believe in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation, that you have acceptance with God. It's no longer a matter of earning it. And that you then live your Christian life based on that acceptance. Not based on your adherence to what God commands. This is a massive cosmic shift in our thinking. In the way that we view God as Christians. And in the way that we tangibly every day live our Christian lives. You will be an extremely unfruitful Christian. And perhaps not a Christian at all if you view God as an angry judge. If that's your perception of God, there's a big issue there. In the conversion account of the great reformer Martin Luther, he illustrates well how this doctrine of justification alone changes our lives through his own experience of it. This is what he says. He says, my situation was that, although an impeccable monk, 
I stood before God as a sinner troubled in conscience, and I had no confidence that my merit would satisfy him. Then I grasped that through grace and sheer mercy, God justifies us through faith. He grasped this doctrine that Paul is talking about here. He says, at once, I felt myself to be reborn and to have gone through open doors into paradise. That's what conversion looks like. Believing and trusting in Jesus alone for our right standing before God changes us. That's the heart of the gospel. This doctrine is what differentiates us from every other religion in the world. It's what makes the gospel the gospel. But not only does he show us how it has the impact to change our lives, he continues, to, he continues on to tell us how believing this doctrine changes the way in which we view God. He says, if you have a true faith that Christ is your Savior, then at once you have a gracious God. For faith leads you in and opens up God's heart and will that you should see pure grace and overflowing love. This it is to behold God in faith, that you should look upon His fatherly, friendly heart in which there is no anger nor ungraciousness. If a Christian sees God as angry, he does not see him rightly, but looks only on a curtain as if a dark cloud had been drawn across his face. Doctrine determines Devotion. Brothers and sisters, many of you who profess to be Christians do not feel this gospel freedom. You do not look at God and see pure grace and overflowing love. Were you to be asked, you would see your relationship with God more under the burden of the law, seeing Him only as angry with you. Now, there are two potential reasons for this and one solution to both. The first potential reason why you would see God in this way is that though you profess to be a Christian, you may not be truly converted. You may not actually be born again or reborn, as Luther said. In this case, what must you do? You must believe the doctrine of justification by faith alone. You must trust in Christ alone for your salvation. You must abandon any works, any believing that you can earn your salvation before God and rest completely on Christ. And you will be reborn. And your perception and view of God will change. 
moving into our second potential reason why this is. We have to recognize that even genuine Christians struggle with reverting in their thinking about the basis for their right relationship with God. All of us struggle with that. I struggle with waking up in the morning and viewing my relationship with God based on what Jesus has done rather than on what I do. That is a consistent struggle. And I'm sure it is for you as well. So what's the solution? The solution is the same. Whether you are unconverted here or whether you are a Christian who struggles with reverting back to your unconverted thoughts. The solution's the same. It's not a matter of just sitting there practically speaking and saying, God, I just need to see you as loving and gracious. I just, need to, I just need to do it. We need to believe more fully in this doctrine of justification by faith alone. And that will gradually change the way in which we view and perceive God and the way in which we live our lives for Him. Because doctrine determines devotion. Theology transforms our practice the way that we live our lives. So the overarching question that we need to ask ourselves this morning is how well are we believing this doctrine? Let our lives be the test. Are you holding yourself back from God? Are you boasting before Him and saying, God, this is an area of my life that is mine. You don't understand the doctrine of justification by faith alone. Because if you truly believe that, you know that there is, you have absolutely no right to hold anything back from God. So are you struggling with that this morning? Are you struggling with handing over things of your life to God? Are you struggling with keeping things back? The answer is not to muster up some willpower and just force it over into God's hands because it will always come back. The answer is to believe this doctrine. And that will produce within you a desire to say, God, I am yours. Do you see yourself as superior to other Christians and allow that to determine who you will relate with and who you won't? Let's be honest with ourselves. If so, then you need to believe this doctrine. And that will produce within you the desire to understand the common faith that you have with this person. It will lead you into a beautiful relationship with them. Do you view God under the burden of the law as an angry judge? And are you living your everyday Christian life on the basis of earning your own salvation? I got to read my Bible or God's going to be mad at me. I got to come to church or God's going to be mad at me. I got to serve in children's ministry or God's going to be mad at me. You don't just need to get over that feeling because you won't. You need to believe this doctrine. 
and by the gracious working of the Holy Spirit in your life, it will produce consistent devotion to God. So let us leave here then testing our lives to see how well we believe this doctrine of justification by faith alone. And if we find our lives to be lacking, then let us shore up our doctrine of justification. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you justify us by faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. And I pray, Lord, that as you have shown us here so clearly how what we believe necessarily impacts the way that we live our lives, that you would help us to use our lives as a tool to determine where we're weak in what we believe. Spirit, would you bring conviction to our hearts and bring action from that conviction. that you might produce within us the obedience of faith for the sake of your name. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.